ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility. And from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, you Break iFix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools. It's true. And it's also easy to visit youbreakifix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break iFix. Alright, what's up? Hey, how are ya? This is Aiden Jones, your listener sitting under a tree for Tuesday the 20th of April 2021. God, man, I feel like I've just had a fantastic sleep, um, the best sleep that I've had in a month, maybe, really just like down for the count. Um, the last week was so busy. The last week was crazy. I, uh, last night I smoked a little bit of marijuana, um, with my homeboy Kyle Legacy, who's staying here for a few days or he's out, he's flying back to Sydney in, in like a couple of hours or whatever. But the point is last night did get, oh, did Spleen, did comedy at Spleen after the festival finished that first gig, first day, like the day after the closing party. The Dirty Dogs ride again, and uh, I was chatting. To, I was chatting to a mate, um, Joey Green. Hold up. Well, thank you for listening, by the way, and let me have a sip of tea. Let me have a sip of tea. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's just it's yum. Okay. <sighs> I uh, yeah. I was talking to Joey Green. Fantastic, very funny, hilarious, Joey Green, about um, doing that first gig at Spleen the first day after festival. And he was saying years ago, like maybe even before he was like doing comedy properly, he saw Ronnie Chang. If you don't know Ronnie Chang, he's a, like one of the biggest acts to come out of Australia in the last 10 years. I don't, whatever. Is that... That feels like I'm going, you know, like, man, like, let me tell you about, you know, Ronnie Chang. I'm an authority on comedy or whatever. I'm not, but maybe some people don't know Ronnie Chang because a lot of people don't know whatever big comics and stuff. They don't care. Fucking, I'm getting off track. So Ronnie Chang. Oh, that was a swear word. One. The bet still stands. Catch me swearing. I'll send you five bucks. No takers so far, which either means I'm doing really well or... No one cares. No one wants five bucks. <laughs> um, so, so Joey was saying he saw Ronnie Chang at Town Hall, uh, 1,500 people. 
in the festival. And then he saw him like a few days later doing spleen, doing the first spleen back after, um, after the festival finished. And, uh, you know, it just really made an impression on him. And then a year later or so when he was doing comedy and he met Ronnie, he said to him, Hey man, you know, I saw you at, uh, the comedy festival doing town hall, 1500 people. And then the next day doing spleen and it just was inspiring. And Ronnie was like, yeah, man, no days off. He just like said that to, you know, no days off, man. Um, and I guess that was kind of his mission statement and his work ethic. And, uh, and Joey Green said it really just, it really inspired him. And, uh, you know what? I like that too. And I mean, there are days off. You can absolutely take days off. But I think doing that one, we were talking about this last night, doing that one, the first day after festival is really like a mission statement and a little reminder to yourself. Yes, we did festival. It was great. And, uh, you know, you can pat yourself on the back and uh, and you should. <sighs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, you should remind yourself, you know, I've done well here. I'm very proud of myself. I've put a lot of work in and take a moment to reflect. But also remember that the end of that season is not the end of all your work. And in fact, like I'm kind of in this place now where I had a really good season. <clears throat> Definitely the best season I've ever had for the first time. People are paying attention to me. Um, it's also quite difficult to not get caught up in that. I'm, I know like you know, it's really easy to just walk around and think everyone's listening to me and paying attention to me and not ask anyone else how their seasons, etc. went. I got a really nice message from a friend who had a very good season and I saw them on the closing night and I didn't notice, but evidently I asked them how their season was and they didn't ask me how my season was. And, um, that was playing on their mind. And I think they just had a, a bit of drugs and were probably fucking ah, too, were probably swimming in their own juices upstairs. And um, they sent me a message just saying, hey, I'm sorry for not asking you how your season was and I heard it was really good and no, no, no. And um, I think that that kind of thing is really important to stay grounded when you're having a great time. And that's another thing that going to work the first day after the festival will really put in your head is like, it's not done. You didn't win. You had a win and that's great, but it's still ongoing and it doesn't stop now just because you have a good season. And if you rest on that, then you next year won't have a good season. So you got to keep going. And yeah, last night I just went on stage and, and did, you know, a bunch of new ideas that I hadn't worked on in the day because I'd had a lovely day yesterday. I'll talk about that in a sec. But I went on stage and just went, I'm just going to do, you know, stuff that's not in my show and just start messing around with those things and we'll see where we get to. So, um, yeah, felt good. Yesterday, I, uh, so I went to the closing night party Sunday night. It was all right. I did have this thought in previous years. I feel I feel like this. Let me. This is a. I guess this podcast today is a moment to reflect on the festival that I had because this is my third year doing a solo show. I've done shows in the festival 
at least two other years, three or three other years, I've had like just a show in the festival. So that's six. This is my sixth year being involved, connected, associated with the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Um, it was definitely the best one I ever had. And I remember all years previous walking around the festival club and seeing it's always someone like David Quirk, you know, who is just everyone knows him. Everyone loves him and I see, and you know, he's a great act, all that stuff. And you see a guy like that walking around the festival club with his friends and, uh, you're just like, man, I always think like, man, what is it like to be, you know, just universally like admired and, and loved, um, David Quirk, I'm sorry if you ever hear this, cause I know this is, <laughs> it must sound horrific, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You sh- I shouldn't have named him. Oh, you don't name people when you're fucking heaping weird dissociative praise on them. Um, oh, another sip of tea, I reckon. See whoever it is who's having good seasons. So you're hearing about, like the thing with being in the festival is it almost feels like, well, it there are people in it who are in the little ecosystem of the comedy festival that has its own, you know, it's like an echo chamber. So some people do really well and everyone's hearing about them. And you feel like these people are famous because the comedy festival is this big thing that everyone knows about. And then if someone's having a really good season and you're a part of the comedy festival, you're hearing about it and you're like, wow, they're doing really well in this big thing. So they must be like, you know, kind of famous in a way. And I would always see these people walking around festival club and think to myself, what it must be like to be this person where you just walk around festival club and everyone knows you and everyone wants to talk to you and is excited. So no, no, no. And I'm not saying I was that person this year, but a li- like I, a little bit, not that person. I mean, you know, I wasn't in any award things or anything like that, but I had a good show. People were coming up to me and telling me they'd heard about my show and that it was great and whatever. And despite any of that, and despite the fact that people were coming up to me and talking to me and paying attention to me, I still felt just as insecure, just as anxious, and um, just as, you know, unsettled as I ever have. And I think the takeaway from that is that if you feel those things and you want to be more comfortable in them or in situations where those things come up, doing stuff externally, getting things, getting people to pay attention, it doesn't work. It doesn't fix it. That's my takeaway from this is there is no amount of success that is going to make me not be anxious when I walk into a room full of other comedians and industry people and, and you know, wonder if they all like me. There's no amount of like uh, having each individual one of them come up to me and tell me that they like me that's going to make me feel more secure on the whole. So I don't know what to do with that information, but cool little revelation, right? But for the first time, this festival, and I feel like I've put you guys through the same thing that I put my girlfriend through, by the way, in that every week for the last month, I've just been yammering on about the festival 
The festival, the festival, all the comedy festivals on right now, and these are my jokes, and this is my show, and I've been thinking about it. God, how boorish. I'm sure I've got some other stuff to talk about, but not yet, still more. Um, haven't really made myself laugh yet, have I? Am I in a good mood? I'm not sure. I think I am. Maybe I'm just relieved. Maybe this is just a wave of relief and it doesn't need to be laughter yet. Maybe I've spent the whole month giving laughter and and in a sad twist of irony, that's just how it works when you give so much laughter and you can't laugh yourself. What a tragic figure is the brave comedian. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> so... um. I, I really felt this year maybe a turning point. I guess that's convenient because it's right now. It's always easy to see the current moment as a turning point, yet here I go. Um, I think this year feels like a big turning point in that, I guess with all uh, the excitement around my show and, and the people coming and it feeling so good and, and getting various spots through the festival and whatever, I... You know, I went to see like a few of the bigger acts, not like I went to see Tom Gleason. I'll talk about that in a bit too, but I went to see some of the acts, not on that level, but just in these rooms that are like a hundred seats, 150, 200 talking to some of them acts who have been going maybe five years longer than me, something like that. And it just doesn't seem that unattainable anymore. Like I look at these rooms and I'm like, you know what? I could do that. There's no reason that I can't do a full season, do a full month run in a 200-seat room in, you know, five years' time if I work hard, if I keep putting on good shows, if I keep building my fan base in Melbourne. There's no reason I can't do that. How cool is that? How exciting that was the excitement of the festival for me is seeing, like when I went to Edinburgh in 2017 – and did my first full run at the Edinburgh Fringe. That was the first time when I was like, I saw the path in front of me from open mic, no one cares, loser, you know, comedian hobbyist who gets excited for like a, a gig for a hundred bucks. And I saw the path from there where I was towards like, I can do a show and I can put it on and I can uh, market it and have people come and then do the shows to the audiences in front of me, have them enjoy it, and then they'll tell other people and more people will come to the show. I could, for the first time, see that path through the through the jungle, you know, like the bushes. I imagine it as like I'm hacking through the forest and I see like the first bit of light. And since 2017, for the four years since then, I feel like I've been following that bit of light and I've kind of made it to a clearing. Let's see if this metaphor is going to hold up. I've made it to a clearing. There's uh, like a little bench there. There's some light coming through the canopy. And uh, it's not fully open. It's not the beach. But it is a nice clearing. You can stay, rest for a while. There's mangoes on the trees. There's the sound of a playful chimp. <laughs> <laughs> swinging around in the branches. He looks down and says, Go, welcome to this place. 
<laughs> Welcome to your future, young man. <laughs> I mean, what am I reaching for here? Um, the point is, I've been I've been going towards this place since 2017, since doing the Edinburgh Fringe, <clears throat> and um, you know, working on making shows and learning like about the process of doing that and the marketing behind it and navigating festivals and all that poo poo. And, um, now I'm here and this year I feel like I could see another little path towards like being an act at festivals who sells tickets and people know about and uh, sells tickets in like larger venues and actually makes like I'm I look I'm not I'll be completely transparent with my finances. I grossed uh, eighteen and a half thousand dollars in ticket sales. Uh, my marketing budget I probably spent a grand on Facebook ads and then posters and flyers and all that stuff. Yeah, maybe a grand, maybe up to fifteen hundred. Probably about a grand though on marketing. And I'll lose uh, something like 30, 35% of my gross to various fees. I'm going to come away from the festival all told with about $11,500. And that's pretty good for a month's work. Obviously, there's not another month's work now for a while. But still, it's nothing to be, you know, to thumb your nose at. Now, I reckon give it another five years if I continue on this trajectory, this new light that I can see through the denser forest on the other side of this clearing that I'm about to start hacking through with my machete. I've sat on the bench for a bit. I've talked to the monkey. I've had a tea. It's all going well. And now I'm ready. I've got some energy. I'm like, let's go. Let's jump into the next thing. And I reckon I could see that money going up. You know, maybe I make 50,000 bucks in a year. I can see it. I can see it for the first time and it's very exciting. All right. So yesterday, me and my girlfriend, I've just been like at my girlfriend, man. I got to I got to give a huge props to her for um just before the festival. I remember her kind of like a fair few times going like are you ready? You know, she was saying to me, "I'm so excited." Um to, you know, for you to be doing the festival and doing your show. And I'm so excited to see the show and all this stuff. And, uh, I guess I just, I don't really, um, mentally prepare for things in the way that she, I think does. I just, I'm like, yeah, when it comes, it'll come and it'll happen and then it'll be done. And, but she was kind of there like, all through the festival, every step of the way, just reminding me to like enjoy it and and telling me that she was proud of me and all of this positive stuff. It was really great. It felt so good. And um, she was also there almost every day for me to just unload, talk about my show, talk about stuff that was worrying me or bothering me in the festival or people or weird interactions that I'd had or whatever it was to just talk about my show and comedy and the industry and everything all of the time. And she was so present for the whole thing. And, um, she told me a story about a friend of hers who is dating another comedian who told her a story that her comedian boyfriend came home and unloaded about the show to her. And then like, you know, went to sleep 
And um, my girlfriend told me that story and was going like, when she told me that, I was like, I feel you so much. And that really made me laugh because I was like, yeah, I have been doing that to you all month. And so yesterday, as a way of saying thank you, I um, I surprised my girlfriend with a trip to Animal Land, Animal Land, Animal Land Children's Farm in Digger's Rest. <laughs> That's right. God, we love a bit of Animal Land, don't we? Huh? You never heard of it? What are you nuts? Animal Land is a. Ch- I just basically my girlfriend loves cows, loves them, bloody loves them, loses her mind for the creatures. She's just started a cow Instagram page. If you want to follow it, give it a follow. Actually, she would love. Oh, funny, great. Someone's just messaged me about gigs, I think, and they're having a go at me for... Yeah, great. Um, Whatever. Don't check your phone during the podcast, Aiden. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. I sincerely apologize for everything I've done. Um, Go and check out Where Art Cow on Instagram if you want to see my girlfriend's cow page. I didn't know this until very recently, but there is a large movement, a subculture of people on Instagram who are just all about cows, huh? They bloody love it. They will not stop. And uh, and my girlfriend has decided to join the raging chorus of people posting. She's posting cow pictures every single day of cute cows, hairy cows, whatever. And, and she scrolls through them and she goes... And makes all those sounds, you know, those sounds that that women make when they're looking at a thing that they like. <laughs> and um, and so I was like, you know what? I'll take us to a to a pl- like a cow or just like a farm. You know how many farms there are that like allow people. There's like a whole thing. Farms like allow people in. Do you know how many of them are all booked up? All of them, every single one. I've thought, man, you know what? I'm a comedian and I try and get people to my shows. If I could sell as many tickets to my shows as these people running these petting zoos and children's farms are, I would be I would be like a pig in shit. Yes, that's a swear word, but it's also, I think that's fine. It's going down three. Um, man... <laughs> These guys are making a killing. We went to the farm. So I tried, I looked for like, uh, someone I worked with a few weeks ago told me about one in the Northwest of the Northwest of Victoria or whatever. It's like an hour and a half out of Melbourne. And it's this place where they, they, um, rescue animals that have been abused or something, something, something. And, you know, give them a new home and a nice life. And I looked that place up and they're booked up for the whole month. You cannot, they're open seven days and you cannot get a ticket until on the 20th of every month, they open the tickets up for the next month. And those tickets also go in like a, a day or two. This is a, <laughs> I'm in the wrong business, man. Just buy a few pigs and, <laughs> and put it on Eventbrite and you're in. 
Maybe I should have like a petting zoo at my show. Maybe that's a good promotion for the podcast. <laughs> it's uh, sitting under a tree podcast slash petting zoo. And um, every listener, every, oh, what about that? Every, <laughs> what about that as a promotion? If you catch me swearing, I won't, I won't uh, you can have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a choice this week. This is an unpaid sponsorship for the podcast for Animal Animal Land. Um, you can, if you catch me swearing, you can either have five bucks sent to you, or I will buy you a family pass to Animal Land for a day of your choosing, valued at forty dollars. <laughs> this is a genuine offer. Um, for a family pass to Animal Land in Digger's Rest, just outside of Melbourne, take you and your special someone or your kids or whoever you know who likes animals. Maybe you've got a friend who loves a bit of meat and doesn't want to go to the butcher and has no moral quandaries about stealing a pig from a f- children's children's farm. <laughs> I wonder if that's something that ever happens to him. I wonder if that is something that they worry about on the farm. There were pigs just running around loose, little piglets, baby ones. God, they would have been good over a fire. (laughs) Any vegans listening, I apologize. But, you know, people do eat pigs. Last night I went to Butcher's Diner on Burke Street and they had, I, I looked and made like a mental note. They had a little upside down pig hanging in the dry store or whatever. And that little piglet was as big as those piglets at the farm. I wonder if people ever go into that farm to steal animals and eat them. 40 bucks for a ticket, for a family ticket. How much would a whole pig be, do you reckon? How much could you buy a pig for? I'm not going to look that up. But I bet it's more than 40 bucks, surely. Anyway... That's uh, something for them to worry about. Yeah, the place was great. Loved it. It was the third or fourth one that I found. Uh, they were only they're only open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So yesterday, the day after the last like night of comedy festival was the only night we could go. So I stayed out till like two thirty. Oh god. Um, and then woke up at ten and drove us there. And uh, I mean, it was just lovely. It was. Um, yeah, great day. We saw some ducks. We saw the calves, 10, nine-day-old calves frolicking around. My girlfriend was losing her mind. She was in her element. And um, oh, just after, we went to New... Do I want to tell us? I don't even know. This isn't even really a great story, but my girlfriend just like... She's a couple times recently, she's like vomited, not vomited, but like she starts laughing and when things are in her mouth and she just, she like started laughing and had a whole mouthful of tea in bed the other day and like spat it all over me, which was hilarious. And yesterday we got ice creams in New in Newtown, Newport, and uh, she started laughing and spat out like a whole, a whole like gloopy mouthful of ice cream on the floor and that was probably the best laugh that was the best laugh i had all comedy festival that was incredible she started laughing and just this whole wad of ice cream went and like splattered on the pavement and i took a picture with it i think that's going to be the picture for this week is me posing with a mouthful of ice cream that my girlfriend spat out of her mouth and onto the ground god that was funny um 
What was I going to say about Animal Land? What was I going to say about Animal Land? Oh, that's right. We saw the owner. This is the thing about marketing. The guy was clearly on it. The, the owner in his big farm hat. I'm a farm man. Oh, I am a farm man. How long have I been going for, by the way? Okay. Um, yeah, saw the owner come into the, like, after we'd done mucking around with all those calves. Which, by the way, were very beautiful and cute. Even though they had shit for over all of their asses, you know? How animals just shit and it's just on their butts. Five. So, yeah, they're kind of gross, but still very cute. Had no problems hugging, hugging an animal covered in excrement. Um, and so we finished in there and then we, like, leave the cow enclosure and the owner comes in with his wife and his kids and one of his kids is a baby and then he stands there amongst the calves and she's like pulled out her phone and started filming him and he's like doing an ad for the for for animal land yeah come down here it was something like he was like holding his baby in one arm and he had just like calves around him and he's going like down here at animal land you can come in down and play with all our animals and pet them and you know, you bring the whole family, come down and play with the animals. Oh, you're a cheeky little bugger, aren't you? One of the cows is like frolicking around him. <laughs> it was the most, it like picture what I was looking at that. And I was like, where is this ad going to go? Maybe they're paying for it on Instagram, doing Instagram ads. I wonder what their marketing strategy is like. I wonder if they are just all over it. Imagine that, like a farmer... These, these guys running this animal farm are just all over. They're talking about segments. They're talking about audience retention rates. They're talking about impressions. It's kind of what you have to do now if you want to run any sort of business. I bet I would have a lot to talk to that guy about. Hey, man, I run my own business as well. I'm a comedian. Let's see if we can share some marketing strategies. Also, give us a free go on your cows. Anyway. It was a lovely day, man. I thoroughly recommend it. And if you guys can catch me swearing on the podcast, I will pay for a family pass to Animal Land. Uh, that Maybe that offer is good until the end of April. How about that? So just this week and next week, isn't it? What's the date today? The 20th. Yeah, this week and next week. Catch me swearing this week and next week and that's it. All right. Um... Thank you to everyone who came to my show in the Comedy Festival, by the way. Hugely appreciated. Anyone in Sydney, I'm playing the Factory Theatre, one of the rooms there, on the 8th and the 9th of May. Anyone in Brisbane, I'm playing at Good Chat Comedy Club, doing my solo show on the uh, 6th of May, I think. Good Chat Comedy Club, if you're in Brisbane, check that out. Now... Let's have another read from our book, The Australian Yarn. Uh, what do we got here? Physical activities and pastimes. I want to find something about animals because nature, natural phenomena, animals and reptiles, etc. 193. All right, let's go to 193 and read one of these bloody yarns. About animals. Now, we remember last week, so if you don't know what this is, I found this book called The Australian Yarn in a country bookstore. And it's uh, yarns that this author, the man Ron Edwards, collected from uh, working class Australians. It seems mostly in the far north Queensland area around the 50s and 60s, but some of them are set earlier than that. 
And what we found last week, didn't we? If you were listening, if you remember, that was a breakthrough, man. Last week on the pod, I had a big breakthrough in terms of thinking about why we tell stories and stories being indicative of like, if, if there's like a shared story in a community that people retell a lot, that can tell you a lot about what that community of people care about and what they, they think is important, what they're scared of, what they're passionate about. And, um, so we're trying to learn a little bit more about people from this book. So let's read another one of these stories. What do we got? Wild pigs. We've got scrub turkey. We've got that bloody cow. That bloody cow is the longest one, but I might read it because I just, I'm feeling it. Well, there was cows yesterday. It's speaking to me. All right. This story, that bloody cow. A chap and I were going up for a bloody propositions in West Australia gold mines. If you give a man a shilling, you can take an option. And you and he signed that it's legal. Now you've got his property for 12 months and you can sell it. Uh, and if you sell it, he's on vendor's money. He gets a share. I might sell it for £10,000, tell a hell of a lot of lies, but the man I was with was prepared to do that. He was a new chum too. I lost a lot of money. I was the bloody mug, of course. Anyway, this chap and I went to this town and we took a room. It wasn't part of the main house. It was set away a little. We put some biscuits and bread and other things in the room and went out. When we came home, there'd been a bloody cow in there. <laughs> and it had eaten all the bloody stuff and shit on the floor and went out. By the way, swearing doesn't count if I'm reading someone else's words. Okay. I thought, what a bloody cow. The cow's got wonderful brains and any bloody new chum that comes from there, that cow knows. And no matter where you come in the town, it knows that you're there. It knows that you don't understand and it comes and robs you and shits there to let you know. Well, we went away from that bloody town and come back in a couple of months and we had all our food in the car, spuds, bread and biscuits. We stopped at the pub and when we came down the next day, that same bloody cow had been in the car and pulled the stuff out and done a lot of damage. It knew we were back. Wonderful brain. So I went to Thursday Island and I had a camp in the bush and there was a bloody cow come there. I put some wire around the camp. But that cow had got through and shit on the floor just like that other bloody cow and knocked everything down. I put the fence up, but the bastard got in again. Now I says to myself, I'll catch that fucking cow. I'll put the fence up again. I'll hide in the camp for hours. So I hid in the camp and I saw the bloody cow coming. I had a big stick with a knob on the end of it. And I was going to kill that bloody cow or half kill the bastard. Well, that bloody cow went round the camp and he's pressing her head against the wire and she's pressing like this. I thought now, I'll wait. If she breaks through, I'll clean her up. And she's trying her best, but she couldn't get through. So I never got a go at the bloody cow. Right. So. <laughs> what is this story? These stories suck. So there's a cow and what we're going for propositions. Why is this guy saying bloody all the time? One, this is why I'm not swearing on the podcast because he's saying bloody all the time. Taped in 1972, born at Wally Brown, born 1883 in Cairns. Wow. That is an old, 
old. I mean, taped in 1972. The man was 89 when he told you this story. Why? <laughs> it's a story about a cow who used to come to your place and eat some stuff and, and take a crap on your floor. And this guy was like, it's so smart because you know when it knows when you're new to the town, so it's going to come and take your stuff and, and you're not ready. And then he put a fence up so it couldn't come in and then he couldn't kill it. So what does this story mean? That just put a fence up whenever you get to a place? Is that it? Because if he'd put a fence up at the start, then he wouldn't have got robbed? I don't understand this one. Mate, this is just an old man telling a story about a cow. The man is 89 at the time of taping. Would you... I guess you would take something that an 89-year-old man said and put it down. And you know what? Actually, what I like about this story is it's not sexist or racist. <laughs> All the other stories in this book have just been absolutely brutal. Um, so far of all the stories that I've read out, this is the only one that isn't cancelled. <laughs> All right, I think that's all I'm going to get from it, man. This guy went to a place and there was a cow who came. I don't know what. Oh, what was it? One nine. That first bit. A chap and I were going up looking for propositions in West Australia gold mines. If you give a man a shilling, you take an option. I might sell it for blah, blah, blah. The man I was with was prepared to do that. He was a new chum too. I lost a lot of money. I was the bloody mug, of course. This chap and I went to this town and we took a room. I don't understand what that mining stuff has to do with the cow and the rest of the story. Oh, whatever. I give up. There's got to be no revelations this week. And I've upset myself at the end of the podcast. And I'm sure I've upset you guys. But that's it. The podcast is done. The festival's done. I'm going to Sydney in May. I just, I'm, I need a recoup. Thank you guys for listening. God, this is a bad end to the podcast. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.